We've got 3.30 kickoff. Don't sell your tickets to Auburn fans, guys. Come on. Be better than that. Show up and put in the stadium. I will happily eat crow next week. Happily eat crow next week. Because we beat Auburn. Uh, in my mind, we will have turned the corner some. The 120th edition of the South's oldest rivalry kicks off at 3.30 this Saturday as heavily favored Auburn, and surely a lot of their fans, will visit Sanford Stadium. It'll be a Chamber of Commerce day here in Athens, full of tailgating, with a touch of that fall weather we've been missing out on so far this season. So show up to Sanford Stadium early, be loud, and don't sell your tickets to Auburn fans, or Tony will shame you on our next show. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 66 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our Georgia-Auburn preview show. Well, it's just Tony Waller and myself in studio today. Once again, Will is up in New York taping his Pro Football Now show for Sports Illustrated. But in this episode, Tony and I dive into some Georgia-Auburn statistics that show how similar both programs have historically been. So similar that if Auburn were to win on Saturday, the series would be tied at 56-56-8. Naturally, we make our picks for some of the other regional and SEC games of interest, and yes, even though we're not a political podcast, we do touch on the presidential election results from this week as well. We have a lot to cover. It's a good one today, so sit back and enjoy. Here's Tony. All right, so thanks for the introduction, Scott. This is Tony. Scott is sitting over there. Will Leach, who you're going to hear from in just a minute, he is off in New York doing his, one of his day jobs, uh, which is the uh, Sports Illustrated uh, Pro Football Now. Pro Football now. Uh, a lot of you also know that Will's uh, one of Will's other side gigs, I guess, has been writing for Bloomberg Politics, kind of the confluence of politics and um, confluence of politics and I guess pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday night, eight forty one, which is a about 24 hours. About 23, Since about 22 the, hours after it started 20, calling it. Yeah, People the, started calling it. And the, Hawk, uh, the Hawks upset the Cavs. Hawks it upset was, the Cavs. It just it's amazing. It's uh, the, the, a bird will rise in the South. And, um, you know, so but that's kind of the setup in the vein of uh, of Will's submission for tonight. I uh, understand no Illini were harmed in the making of this and, audio. Uh, I thought that he would talk about uh, the Illini beating Michigan State, who was a Final Four playoff team last year. And they are definitely not this year. <laughs> they're not. I think they're two and seven. They are going to have a whole lot of respect, disrespect, dichotomy to build on next year. Mark D'Antonio is going to and, have some fun. And if and if uh, Illinois can get hot, they might be able to be bowl eligible, even with the five and seven record. Who knows? Okay. Well, we can go with that. Yeah. But we are not here to speak about the Illinois Illini fighting no. Illini. Well, actually, we got a huge game Saturday. Um, what? Right. Do, do we have a huge game Saturday? Falcons. Play Sunday, yeah. Um, the, the oh, oh the no, basketball George, George basketball play, Friday night. Yeah, you yeah, they opened that, the little giant. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. So. Friday night. So, um, also, uh, the Auburn Eagle Tigers were Hawks flying to town on Saturday, right? That's right. So, we, um, I guess we have avoid, avoided talking about. It, so let's talk about Kentucky a little more. Um, <laughs> I, I had a couple other thoughts on the Kentucky game. Uh, I appreciate y'all bearing with me. Uh, Sunday evening, I was still driving back from Lexington, uh, which is why the audio was spectacular. Fortunately, you probably didn't hear any children uh, slap fighting in the back, although that did happen during the podcast, as it will on a seven-and-a-half-hour car ride. But having said all of that, one of the things that that struck me, uh, and I, I didn't really get to bring it up, is how impressive Jacob Eason has been 
when the game's on the line. Absolutely. Um, and we talked about that a little bit. You 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 brought up specifically the three uh, you know three end of game drives, the the one in Missouri, the one against Vanderbilt where he looked really good until until we <laughs> they, they took until the we and, until we decided to hand the ball off to. Right. Well, yeah. whenever note to self, whenever Cunningham for Vanderbilt is on the other side, you yeah, try go, to do go, everything go you can that. to go, go away from that. From that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the game-winning drive against Kentucky and um, with Tennessee. Well, yeah, I forgot about Tennessee too. So what what struck me about that is that he and there, I saw some stats out there on this this week. He has something ridiculous. Like I'm going to make up some stats here, but this is representative. He has something along the lines of like. 14 of 20 on those drives for like 400 yards, 300 yards, uh, 350 yards, you know, a touchdown or two. It's crazy. The rest of his drives are just rather really pedestrian. So that tells me a couple of things. One, when they decide to, to, they have, they have plays or a game plan uh, that suits his strengths, which is uh, more shotgun, uh, more quick reads, uh, essentially what he ran in high school. They also have what Jim Cheney and Mark. I mean, Mark oh my gosh! Please edit Drink. that. Drink. <laughs> uh, edit that. Uh, but hold on. Ah, Jim Cheney and Kirby Smart want our offensive philosophy and identity to be, and part of that is growing for Jacob Eason, right? I mean, he's eighteen months and uh, eighteen years and a few months old. He did not play in a pro style offense in high school. He put up. I mean, literally Nintendo numbers in high school, and we've seen flashes of what he can do with that arm. So, you know, it's into, it'll be interesting to me to, now that we've kind of like, at least win-wise, psychologically righted a ship, if we do something different with our offensive game plan this week, uh, which I think is a nice segue into talking about Auburn versus Georgia. I heard a reporter at Kirby's press conference on Monday bring that up about, hey, Coach Smart, it seems like, Jacob Eason does so well in the hurry up or in the shotgun. Why not run that more in the game? Because it's been so effective and kind of was quoting what you just stated, but I can't quote coach smart verbatim, of course. However, the tenor of his voice was, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but defenses are running particular types of prevent defenses in the last minute, minute and a half a game. It's not going to be the same thing. Which made a little bit of sense to me because I was in the camp of saying, "Hey, Coach Smart, why not run more more no huddle? Why am I? Why not more? Ugh, I can't talk. Why not run more shotgun like that?" But it makes sense. I mean, I'm I know a lot about football, but I'm not an X's and O's kind of guy. And when Coach Smart just kind of couched it and clarified it, I was like, "Okay, that's why you haven't seen that." Well, you don't want to go no huddle against Auburn. You you want to you want that <laughs> no, clock there'd to be run fifteen plays. Oh per, my gosh! Yeah, per yeah. Team. No, you want the clock to run as much as you can while right. you're holding the ball. You know, the key, one of my keys for beating Auburn is is if we can keep time it, of possession. Time, not just time of possession, but keep them under about seventy plays. We keep them under seventy plays. I like our chances. Now, having said having said that, that goes back to your bigger point, which is the defensives. He's right about the defenses. You do oh, see sure. different defenses, but. What we've seen all season is we would put Jacob under center. We do a single setback and a tight end or two tight ends. We see eight to 11 in the box. Right. And that's fine. We can do eight to 11 in a box. That means we need to we need to do a better job exploiting potential edge passing routes such as a wheel route or you know a quick flat or a screen pass. A screen pass. I mean, those, those are all options. Um, so, you know, 
and, and we saw it in Kentucky, uh, particularly the, I guess the the drive, um, maybe the drive that resulted in the non-review review review, um, the double the double review um, for Nick Chubb's fumble. Yes, yeah. yes. Kentucky started out with uh, eight guys in the box. We came out with a couple of quick strike throws to Wims, and suddenly they backed off, and then that's where Chubb got the run that ended in the fumble. Um, so you know we. I do like what I'm seeing now with the coaching staff as far as growth and maturity and working together. I am not a big from the sideline or from the the booth guy, but I, I, I will make the one caveat to say that if Cheney is able to work a little more clear headed because he's not there's not a bunch of yelling and other stuff going on. He's able to think about what he wants to do next uh, and can see the field a little better and get a little better sense of what's happening. It can only help. Well, and that makes sense to me because you and I both were calling plays for flag football this year. And yeah. then you got a bunch of, you know, eight, nine, ten year olds running up to you going like, Can I get the ball? Can I run the ball? Well, can I throw the ball? But from the field you can only see so much, right? Yeah. I mean well We should have taken a ladder. Right. Well remember, we we've talked a lot about the play where you unfairly called pass interference on my son. <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh just to recap everybody, apparently my son pushed uh, Scott's son down and I don't know walked on him and then I think he kicked him one time but then he called the ball and it was a touchdown and Scott touchdown. Scott unfairly called it back uh, I think maybe maybe Scott tackled my son I don't remember uh, but the fact that I'll get to a point is because I was behind the offense on the other side I didn't see it I mean completely didn't see it you're only talking about 14 you know, 9, 10, 11 year olds so you can't imagine when you got 80 something guys on the sideline they're um, all over 6 feet tall and then and you know 22 on the field uh, anywhere from eight to forty-four refs uh, calling flags against you. Uh, how many ever refs? I don't know how many right. they have anymore. I think there's uh, seven. Eleven. It's the seven and and Alford and Alford. Uh, and then you know you you it can't you can kind of get you can lose side of the forest for the trees there, and and that's both metaphorically and literally. Right. So 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 what that long explanation by myself and you means that you think that it's a good idea for Cheney to just to try out the the upstairs for a while. Yeah, I fully expect Cheney to call the game from the end zone this time. Just, just let's do something different. Six hundred level. We're gonna be at six hundred level. Actually, actually, we're gonna watch the game on TV. I'm gonna call it in. And uh, what I'd like to see is, uh, I'd like to see Cheney have to take the steps. <laughs> Dude, to, to six hundred level. Could you I, imagine? I can't. See, here's the thing. First off, Cheney and I have the same haberdasher. And uh, <laughs> second off, uh, second off, I've already made my one Cheney joke, which is we got sideline interference, even though Cheney wasn't on the sideline. <laughs> so. Um, that's my long by, way. By the way, have you? Ever, I, I have walked all the way up to the six hundred. It's a. It is a hike. Oh yeah, you need a sherpa and like a llama and some uh, crampons. I it's think. A, but here's the thing: if you're a photographer, yeah, it, you cannot get better views. Well, I'm assuming you can see Sandersville. You see the. You see the the, the ten, dairy lane. You see. Yeah, you see the. You see the uh, the Tennel Barn sign and uh, the backside of it at least because it's uh, it is a ways up there. Yeah. It is a ways up yeah. there. I've been up there once. I haven't been there for a game, but I've been up there once. Just try to, going up there during a really around. cold, blustery day. There Why is would no I do, protection. Why would I do that? You know, and speaking of the weather, it's going to feel like fall on Finally. Saturday. I think a low is going to be in the high 30s or low yeah. 40s. Yeah. And but game, we had we had that we had that Lexington. 60s. I mean, that was a, it, almost the exact same weather we had in Lexington, which was awesome. So how was, should I dress for it? I've forgotten. Um, you should definitely wear red. And um, <laughs> um, I, you know, long pants. Maybe, maybe a mock turtleneck. Mock turtleneck. Uh, a sweater vest. A mock turtleneck sweater vest. A, a, a Tama shanty hat. Oh, that's what I'm wearing. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, pre game's gonna be fun. You're gonna join us, right? Uh, we're gonna have yes. a little. Yes, uh, yes. Tele- I'm little- taking uh, my wife. 
my two sons, and luckily we've made a deal with uh, my wife's parents who are coming up because my daughter, you know, we don't have a fifth ticket, and my daughter's ecstatic because she's gonna she's going to go see trolls. Trolls, yeah, that's a real yes. thing. So we've uh, so. we we've we've managed any kind of. Uh, issues uh going into that so yeah it's gonna be the four of us well we got a huge a huge tailgate plan probably 40 folks um uh we're gonna have fun i mean it's gonna be a we're gonna get out there early get the tv set up um a buddy brad from uh brad who's bad nationwide from south florida is gonna be up uh i think i'm pretty sure uh, you know there's gonna be some extra leeches around so a lot of fun oh yeah will leach will be in town you know he hasn't been on I don't. It's been probably four weeks since he's it's about been midweek. In, yeah, it's been, been a while. In studio with us. Yes, been. But, um, but he will be at the game. Yes, he will be at the game. Uh, so now, getting back though, let's get back to Auburn for a minute. Um, okay. One of the things that that bears watching is uh, apparently Javon Wims was in uh, bike jersey today during practice, which is concerning. Considering he finally had the breakout game that we thought he was going to have, like five catches, ninety-five yards, what, or something what like that. What year is he? I assume he's a junior. He's a junior college transfer, so okay. I, he probably has a year left. Uh, Daquan Hawkins Muckle still out, or, or whatever's happening. But we think Reggie Davis and Natrez Patrick are going to play. Um, but just you know, those are things that that went down uh, this week. But I, getting back to your idea of tempo, there is something that to me that that we did with uh, Aaron Murray a fair amount that I liked, which is we would get up to the line, which basically got the defense to come set. You know, with the new substitution rules, or the old substitution rules, when Aaron Murray's right, you, you could bring out, you come up the line, they could start substituting. Right now, they can't substitute if you don't substitute. So, you know, I think the thing that, I think the thing that, about that that I like is that if we get a, a package in, uh, or a, a set, uh, a grouping in that we like, I'd I'd be all for, especially if it's one we can run multiple sets out of. We can run that little the little three wide receiver out, and the, you know put we can run a pistol or a shotgun with an offset beside kind of the little Dallas Cowboy uh, offset shotgun. Um, or you know we can even go in j- almost jumbo with with Nada and and even put. That's one thing we haven't seen Chubb do this year. We saw him do two years ago, which is set him almost at H back. Um, put Rochester out there. Oh wow, that's super jumbo. No, that's, he showed up in the Ole Miss game. That's yeah, that's the A three fifty package. Um, but the uh, that's uh, that's something that I, I wouldn't mind seeing us do. Look, we and, and we'll get to the actual game predictions. Auburn's a good football team. They have been really, really competent. I missed on Auburn, and actually, a lot of people missed on Auburn. They they kind of pulled it all together in game three or four. Uh, Sean well, the, White's looked better, and they started one and two. Right, but right. they lost to Clemson. Lost to Clemson, which is think, legit. I don't think they've lost yet. And then who else did they lose? A&M. And at Texas that point, A&M, I mean, yeah. This time last week, A&M was ranked fourth. And, and Texas A&M time. is actually a good football team. I think they uh, they hate prosperity, as my father would say. That's one of those things, though, you you know, you know, kind of had to think that was coming for A&M, right? They've, they've, they've played some pretty I close games. I didn't see it coming against Mississippi Not State. Not against Mississippi State, but you had to think at some point they were going to do that. Yeah, they had lost to Alabama already, right? That was their only loss. It was It was a close game to Alabama on the road. Oh, A&M? Yeah. 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 And um, you know, but think about it, Auburn, they're kind of exalted right now at seven and two. They've had a resurgence, uh, you know, starting one and two, and then reeling off all these wins in a row. It it didn't hurt the fact that they were had the first five games at home. It's kind of like the opposite of Georgia's schedule. It feels like we haven't been in Sanford in quite some time, and we really haven't. We've had three games there. 
But Auburn could easily be six and three. Think about th- think back to that LSU game. That was the game where loser leaves town, and it ended up being LSU with less miles. But LSU completed a touchdown pass to beat Auburn and Jordan Hare, and the refs go back and see the the play clock barely clicked half second to zero before Etling threw that touchdown pass. Yeah, and that and that changes the entire it's a, not just a complexity of that. It, it also probably means especially with the 10-0 game that Ed Orgeron's going to be coach of the LSU Bayou Bengals right I mean I, I mean it's still up in the air I, I think they could still go a different direction but you're going to have a hard time getting a kid from Lafouche uh, Parish or wherever I think he's from Lafouche High School Slidell. wherever he's from he's from he's from like the Bayou he's from south uh, he's like south like He's down. like he's from the last town before Grand Isle. That's where he is from. Like, so you know your Louisiana geography better than I do. Like six, 60 miles south of New Orleans. So, um, which you know, in twenty five more years, is going to be actually the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, like basically elevations negative there. Yeah, he'll have he's going to have he's going to have Gulf front property for long. Um, so that is, uh, I mean, you're going to have a hard time blowing him out of there because he has learned too. That's the thing about it. And and there's a difference between being an interim coach and being the actual coach. You know, you can recruit like gangbusters. So I don't know that that's such a, such a bad fit for them either. Um, but so did we just transition from the Auburn Georgia game now talking about Ed Orgeron? Yeah, I think we did. It seems right. Um, I wanted to go over, I found this, there's this website and I'm going to share it with y'all, even though I've kept it a secret for myself. Come on, stat milk. Nope. I thought it was stat milk you're looking nope, at. This is a great website. It's called Winsopedia. 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 It's not Wikipedia. It's Winsopedia. And what you can do, and this is a great time killer, pull it up on your iPhone while you're trying to get sleepy, sitting in bed or whatever, waiting in traffic or during a meeting even. And you can just sit there and type in, and I don't know why this interests me, but I like to just type in random teams and see if they've ever played each other. And you'd be shocked how many teams have not played each other ever in college football. Georgia's never played. Um, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Illinois. We've never played Iowa. Oh, I've gone through this the system. I can huh. name a Oklahoma. Yeah. Never played Washington Huskies. Never played Indiana. I knew we never played Oklahoma. Yeah, we've played Ohio State one time. I got to say, Michigan we end up playing Indiana in some bowl game. That's just going to be a worst case scenario. Oh, no, I've for got me. bowl games later. I've already researched the bowl predictions because oh. they're out. So I've got five bowl predictions. Four out of five are all unique. So anyway, I went to Winsipedia and top down, it starts very easy to read. It's great. It's a great site. I don't know if y'all picked up on this yet, but it, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes page for the three people that so read the show notes. On page. a level of, uh, let's, let's put this in terms that everyone understands. You, on the level of uniforms, between Maryland Alternatives and the Army Desert Camo, mm-hmm. where is it? But this website? Yeah. Army Desert Camo. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Maybe Thank Air you. Force uh, P-38 helmets also. Oh, see. Yeah, see, we that way we have really nailed it. We've really nailed it for the, uh, for the uniform, the uniform demo. Yep. yep. We all understand now. So... I pulled up Auburn versus Georgia, and it is amazing. You know, everybody knows that Auburn and Georgia have always had a very close competitive rivalry. But then when you really dive into the numbers, it becomes even more apparent that Auburn and Georgia... Are, I mean, are, aren't we within like 10 points of each other? Over 100 games? Sure. Okay. That sounds right. But they're so similar, and I think a lot of times Georgia fans, or at least maybe it's just me because I... They're my my most uh, deplorable team. What what did we say last year when we were doing our picks? Most objectionable team. Yeah, Auburn was number one on my list of most most objectionable. 
most objectionable. Perhaps Georgia thinks little of Auburn, but we're actually quite similar. The wins for Georgia throughout the history are 56. Auburn has 55 wins. There's been eight ties. So if Auburn wins this game, the, the, the series that spans a total of, what, 100 plus 12 plus 8, that's 120 games, Yeah, would be completely tied. Tony, I'll ask you this. The largest margin of victory for Georgia ever against Auburn, um, without looking. <sighs> Think to back in the post-war era. I don't know if that matters. Forty-one nothing. Okay, I thought I, I remember we won like twenty to nothing one time, or maybe thirty to nothing one time. But yeah, it was forty-one nothing in nineteen forty-six. The longest win streak Georgia has ever had against Auburn. Eight. Nine. Plus. Okay. On the flip side, the largest margin of victory for Auburn. I don't know if I can really say this with a straight face. Forty-four nothing. But the year was nineteen hundred. <laughs> I mean, do we really? Wow. Right. That was William McKinley getting assassinated type. Yeah, that's that's old that's old testament that's, stuff right there. Uh, yeah, so and their longest win streak has been six. That so sounds right. Very similar numbers. Now here's where it really gets similar. National championships, Georgia has two, Auburn has three, which ranks twenty third and twentieth respectively yeah. out of the hundred and twenty nine schools. Another very similar stat is their all time record. Georgia has an all time record of seven hundred and ninety two, four hundred seventeen and fifty four ties. Auburn has an all-time record of 755, think Hank Aaron, 429 and 47 ties. Basically, Georgia ranks 14th in the nation in all-time records and Auburn 17th. Now, there is a discrepancy in bowl game appearances. Georgia's 5th in the country at 51 overall bowl games, whereas Auburn is 16th in the country with 40 overall bowl games. And then finally, first-round draft picks. Huh. Can you think... About the number of first-round draft picks for Georgia and Auburn. I mean, I would think Georgia has more, but not by a lot. That's very, very true. Georgia has 31 first-round draft picks. Auburn has 30 first-round draft picks, ranking 18th and 19th, respectively. But then you throw in there, you talk about the connections the coaching staffs have here now. Yeah, Pat Dye and Vince Dooley. Well, Pat Dye and Vince Dooley. Pat Dye uh, went to Georgia, and Vince Dooley, of course, went to Auburn and brought Eric Russell with him from Auburn. Um, uh, You know, we got Rodney Garner coaching there now with along with Stacey Searles. I'm pretty sure he's there. Tracy Rocker. Tracy Rocker is, is, was at Auburn before. Uh, <laughs> champ was a uh, defensive coordinator there and ran him in the dirt. And um, sorry, I, I think last chance year. To, yeah. By the way, the next time, the next time Will Muschamp makes some comment about, you know, Oh, you know where my degree's from. I'm all, I, I would, I would completely be fine with the president of the university calling him and said, you know, we, oh, we just discovered that you didn't actually take some classes and we're taking your diploma away. Right. Uh, I'm fine with that. Completely right. fine with that. But you know, that's, that's, you know, I mean, I would say, oh, there's someone else that's there. Anyway, anyway. Oh, Neil Calloway coached for Die. He was his offense coordinator, Die. Okay. I was trying to remember that. So, um, it, I mean, look. We like to make a big deal about George Auburn and how much we hate Auburn. And there's a reason why we hate Auburn. They hate us equally. They hate us equally. We played this, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's legit. Um, you know, there are people out there who would say, you know, this is uh, Auburn's blah, 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 more times to Georgia or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we've been consistently being, been each other's foil. And, and a lot of that has to do with this, our last game of the season. Uh, it's a conference game of the season, and usually it's their next last game of the season. They always have the the Iron Bowl after after us. So, you know, there are a lot of times where they come look in ahead. look ahead with a look ahead. Maybe that will happen this week. 
I'm completely fine with look ahead. You know, I, I'm I'm ready to watch the stink of of the the tip drill game out of my head. I I, I need I need something good to happen. But you know, Trey Matthews is now on. Uh, this will be his first time back in Athens since leaving after his freshman year at Georgia. Yo, I can't wait. He walks up to somebody and says, "What are you gonna do?" Um, so he's yeah. number twenty eight by the oh, way. Oh, I'm on sorry. Auburn. Yeah, he's number twenty on Auburn. So, um, so hey, Jordan- you know what? He and uh. Oh, that was a great joke, Cam. I just blew it. <laughs> oh, you did. Um, you could come back with, with the power. Craig of White. You know who? You know Craig White and and I still dropped it. <laughs> Craig White. There's a there's an old joke about a quarterback at Auburn that got suspended for the bowl game. Stan White. Maybe Stan White. Yeah, let's go with Stan White. You know what Stan White and Tracy Trey Matthews have in common? What? They both never been to class at Auburn. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I screwed that up. But still, it's, it's funny in my head. Yeah. So. Since 2001, the year that Coach Mark Rick took over, Georgia is 10-5 and five against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Two of those victories that Auburn had propelled them to the national championship. No, that's the, th- that's the funny thing about it. Auburn is feast or famine. Yeah. I mean – I mean that's been their that's been their thing for the past about five years. They've either been you know six and six or thirteen and zero. Now they're, they're of course they've had a couple losses this year, but they they still have legit aspirations of um of getting to the uh, to the SEC championship game. Now they need Auburn uh, Alabama to lose t- uh, this week, and then uh, of course in the Iron Bowl. But they they have you know. They they still think they might get to an access bowl. Think they? I mean, they're ninth in the college football playoff rankings, uh, and you know that's all they need is Texas A and M lose again. They they stand on a, a pretty close, a pretty good shot of actually getting there. Well, and think about the past couple of times that Auburn has been in Athens in t- in twenty fourteen. Georgia, it was Mark Rick versus Gus Malzahn. Georgia won 34-7. to uh-huh. That was kind of the beginning of their downfall because that was right after their 2013 uh-huh. visit to the National Championship. Now, funny thing, 2013 and 2012 were both in Auburn, Alabama because of the change of and the, the greatness that all that uh, thanks, Missouri. Missouri and Texas A&M coming to the SEC. It's like, thanks a lot. But then in, in 2011, the last time... Before 2014, the the game was in Athens. Georgia won 45 to seven. Yeah, and then of course everybody remembers 2007, the the 45 20 game, the which was the blackout yeah. game. And there will not be any black jerseys this week. They're coming next week against UL Lafayette because I guess they want to re- reassure that we're going to get a victory. <laughs> there's nothing. Gonna, there's going to be nothing like Georgia running out in those black jerseys to a, a half filled Sanford Stadium crowd or a, a late arriving Sanford Stadium crowd right at noon. Right, there's nothing that that screams blackout game like that. Right, because um, that game will probably unless we get the seven o'clock draw because nothing else is available uh, for the SEC for, network for Tech. No, for Louisiana Lafayette. Oh, we're playing noon. Yeah. Times times already been announced. Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's a hundred percent noon game. Maybe maybe that'll add the juice that we need for that game. So Cameron Petway. Yes. By the way, a, by the way, he didn't practice today. Yeah. Well, he's a big cog of their offense. He has eleven hundred six yards, seven touchdowns on the season. Say that again. And, Eleven hundred and six. He's a big what? A big cog. Cog. Okay. <laughs> well, you said something else. I'm like, man, this got real in here. <laughs> no, he's a. How big, much bourbon have I had, or you like, had? It's it's like a basically Sprockets and uh, yeah, Coswell C- Cogs C- and, um, cog. Jetsons. Got it. Yeah, yeah COG. Uh, he's got seven touchdowns on the year, and he is up in the air for status. Yeah, he got. Uh, I saw he, the play. He, he got hurt. He he pulled up. I mean, he legitimately pulled up. I he practiced some Monday. I did not come on to practice. I want to say either to yesterday or today. Uh, let's see. I'll make sure I'm reading the right uh, update here. Anyway, he uh, 
Yeah, he didn't practice Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure pra- about his practice today, but you know that's that's huge. I mean they they have a couple well, other guys. I mean, that hey, can, I hope he's I hope he's good against Alabama because I don't. Care yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't want him to play against Georgia. I'm completely fine with that. I mean they have they have the number one offense in the SEC, and Georgia has the tenth rated offense in the SEC. So it's kind of like what you're saying. We need to hold on to the ball. Yeah, and yeah. and have have some drives <clears throat> with some substance. Well, the other part of that is Sean's White is hurt too. He, uh, he was hurt. Yeah, it, it looks like he's going to play. Right, right, it looks like he's going to play. If not, John Franklin the third, yet another Franklin who is um, get so confused with all the Franklins in the SEC. But that lends itself to some questions. But I think I think Georgia needs to prepare for Petway and and and, and White and just go from there. Yeah. I mean, because Karen Johnson is is a good ball player. I mean, he's not he's no slouch. He's just not the kind of the force of nature that Petway is. Right, and the other thing that. The combination of Petway and Sean White kind of working their magic. It's, it's almost and it's almost reminiscent of when um, what's the former Georgia cornerback that played quarterback for Auburn two years ago, Nick Marshall. Or three years ago, Nick Marshall. You know, Sean White. I, I never thought I would have said it after the Jerry, Jeremy Johnson exper- experience last year. Um, he runs that offense pretty effectively. And yeah, he, he basically does what he's asked. Um, and when they hit the red zone. According to the statistics, Auburn is third best in the SEC in red zone efficiency. Guess what UGA is in red zone? Dead ass last. Dead last. It scares I me. Think that's for offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. It scares. It scares me. It scares me how inefficient we are uh, in the red zone. And it happened again last week against Kentucky. Yeah, settling for field goals. Now we do have a field goal kicker. And uh, so can, can you can we give a Rodrigo and his helmet and his interview with his glasses? He did that again today. At the uh, press conference, I saw it on Dog Nation. Did he really? Uh, he, I saw a picture of him with his helmet and his glasses on um, doing an interview. Hey, man, I'd say stick with it. Whatever works. Because if he takes his helmet off and takes his glasses off when he's talking to uh, who's the girl reporter on SEC Network? Kaylee Harding? Yes. 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 Say yes. that again. Kaylee Harding. Yes. He wouldn't be as memorable. Yeah, no, it's, so, uh, he's, he's all about start, like we said, all he's about brand, internet meme, all about brand. So, all right, well, um, we've danced around this enough. Let's uh, let's do about forty five minutes an hour of picks, and then we'll do our game. Oh, I thought you were going to say let, we've danced around this. Let's do forty five minutes on the election. <laughs> so we're going to actually talk about the election. I, I mean, I've got an awesome stat. Okay, I'm listening. The election. I'm but, listening, but I'd like to hear any kind of nonpartisan or whatever you're comfortable with. Talk. I mean, the only, look. The only thing I'm gonna say is that you know, it's been a it was a hard election. I'm glad it's over. I am glad it's over. There are a lot of people feeling vindicated right now. There are a lot of people who are scared to damn death. I think the one thing I want us to all remember is we're Americans, and the thing that makes us great is we are Americans. And there's a lot more that keeps us together than what separates us. And as long as we aren't getting on Facebook and thinking that we're talking into the void, um, or or Twitter, which I am guilty of at times. If we all try to approach, I'm sitting across from a person and having a conversation with a person rather than just spouting off stuff, whether that be neocon, whether that be uh, super left-wing liberalism, just keep in mind that we are we all are Americans. And we might have a different view of what the duration of the country should go, but we're Americans. Let's, yeah. let's not forget that. I figured you would have tweeted out that uh, classic picture you have of the raccoon in the headlights to maybe like – 
I, know, I, I did come my, close. My Democratic friends. I did. I did come close. Uh, I did come close to tweeting. Uh, like at three in the morning, as you're watching. Uh, I did come close to tweeting the picture I my routine picture of Houston nuts and Democrats need to happen. <laughs> uh, I did come really close to tweeting that uh, this morning, but I went to bed. I went at ten thirty. I went to bed because I, I saw what was going to happen. I did saw you know when need. you went to bed at ten thirty. You kind of because it wasn't official. I had a great sense of what was going to happen. What moment? I think for me. Just in, you know, I'm not kind of giving any kind of political opinion here. That's the last, trust me, that's the last thing I would ever do. I'm just not into giving political opinions because it's not, I'm talking about sports. It's not important. But I think when I saw on uh, a scroll or something, I was actually upstairs editing a video and I saw something pop up on my computer that Trump had won Florida. I was like, "Wow!" What the the Florida thing made me start thinking. Oh, this is this could and happen. Then Ohio fell and right then, after that, and then right after Ohio fell, I was like, "Oh, this isn't good." And then when I saw that, um, I want to say Milwaukee, the Milwaukee area of Wisconsin came in, and Secretary Clinton didn't have nearly the lead that she needed to buttress the rest of the state, and she was going to lose Wisconsin. So it's done. It's done. I mean, she would essentially have to have to pull off upsets, and uh, well, in that when Virginia was so close. So, yeah. I mean, it was a really interesting night it for was, poll it was watching. Fascinating watch. It was, uh, it's easily the most fascinating election of my lifetime. Uh, and considering I, I lived in, you know, the, the Reagan revolution, um, I voted in 88 and 92 and, and 96. And, you know, when a lot of the stuff was happening there, uh, with Clinton and George H.W. Bush, and then of course, 2000 and, None of that comes close to yeah. Even the hanging chads in two thousand. Yeah, not. I mean, that felt that felt different in both substance and both substance and character of what we saw yesterday. And it was really had a lot to do with just how much how much everybody missed it. When I say everybody, I mean everybody, pundits, the papers, everything. And and the one last thing I would say is that it, it's cute. It's cute to have conversations and sound bites the way we consume information now, and I. I've realized there's there is a certain ironic hypocrisy to me saying that on a podcast, uh, but you know, real life isn't a thirty second soundbite. It's not scoring the last hit and sitting on a talking head panel on CNN where they move on to a cooking segment, and it's certainly not who can land the most blows and get the most points in a round the horn style thing. There are true issues facing America, and I hope we're able to talk about them in adult and rational ways going forward because we certainly didn't see that from either side in the campaign. Right. I agree. And the the thing that I want to talk about is the amazing stat that I heard on the radio today where Trump won 76% of counties in the country. Yeah, that's about what Rodney won. Well, I haven't finished. Let me give you the rest of the story. 76% of counties in the country that had a Cracker Barrel. Oh my gosh, the Cracker Barrel vote. And then won 22% of the counties... That had a Whole Foods. <laughs> wow. Well, that's. I mean, that's that's kind of yeah. You know, okay. I mean, I mean that becomes uh, that becomes almost a you know cute clickable kind of you know mash click mash whatever Buzzfeed. No, what's the uh, the thing that pops up twenty like twenty things you need to know today? Or oh, it's like a Snapchat story. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's, it's very it's, predictable. It's interesting. It's interesting. The other thing I heard, and I think I can get these, um, I think I can get these numbers right, is that Democrats in the House of Representatives, so I think they lost the House of Representatives or something. I don't know. I no, think, they the how they that they didn't. Okay, so so this is right. So they lost some seats in the House of Representatives. Okay. So now, 
one-third of all Democrats in the House of Representatives are made up of congressmen and women from the states of California, New York, and Massachusetts. Wow. 20% of the Democratic House of Representatives are made up of California representatives. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, it's just, it's. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say 20, wait, or 20, add to it. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 20% are California. Yeah, that so. sounds right. So, all right. So, you've been listening to Wait Until Next November and uh, <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, those are so, just kind of yeah. interesting facts that I heard, and I figured I'd share them with y'all because maybe y'all are going to be like, whoa, that's interesting, or maybe not. Yeah. So, that's a, is that set up for Will or no? or? Yeah, I think that is. <laughs> I mean, it's set for Will, and then we'll yeah. go. Then we'll, hey, this is, uh, if you've been fast forwarding, now's the time to, uh, to either listen or fast forward, depending on how you want to take this. And then we're going to talk for about an hour on, on picks. And then Scott's got some three questions and we'll get out of here about two in the morning. Yeah. So here, so Will sent me, Will is in New York. Yes. And he wanted to send me, let me see what he said on this. Well, never mind. I'm just going to have to play it. He, he did include, he said, here you go. Go dogs. Are you going to be at Tony's tailgate on Saturday? I'll bring those hoops tickets with me if you are. Oh, he's going to give me some hoops tickets. Sweet. So, uh, I thought that he was talking about, like, kind of prefacing what he said. It's about two minutes, and here is Will Leach, who is not with us right now. Hello, this is Will Leach, the once regular, now depressingly part time co host of this podcast. I was hoping he'd say irregular. <laughs> Sorry, we promised not to break this down sentence by sentence. Didn't, weren't you hoping he would say? I didn't know what he was going to say. The once regular now. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna play. We might break his. Never mind. I'm gonna play it. <laughs> Were you thinking the same thing? You have no idea. I mean, you just know you don't know. Look, look. I, I I haven't heard this. I have not heard this, but I have a feeling Will's about to completely share his uh, his his views on what happened yesterday. And, and, and Scott and I both know what his views are because you know we we talk to him regularly. But um, it's just funny to us because it's funny to us. I'm not going to talk about the election. Scott has already asked me not to go into much detail about the dystopian post-apocalyptic hellscape that awaits us or the fact that I must look my children in the eye and tell them to be good men and be kind when our country just did that we're not going to go into that instead we're going to talk about how desperately I you Scott, Tony and everybody Needs a goddamn football game this weekend. <laughs> whether you think this was a good decision or whether you think it is something so perilous and so terrifying that we will reap the whirlwind of this decision for decades to come, we need some football. <laughs> so people always talk about how they would like sports to be separate from politics. That is impossible because nothing is separate from politics. But I do understand the inclination. I perhaps never understand the inclination more than a week like today. I am excited about the game this weekend. I can't wait to tailgate. I can't wait to drink bourbon. I can't wait to scream for Georgia. And I can't wait to see Georgia lose by 14 points. Because for some of us, it has been that sort of week. Anyway, go dogs. 
I'll see you out there. No matter our differences, no matter our disagreements, on the monster that is going to be leading the Republic soon, we can all agree that there is comfort and there is peace in football. Go dogs. Now, to be fair, Will has, in the span of a week, seen the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Um, someone he obviously considers to be a, a difficult uh, difficult for him to, to accept as president of the United right. States win the presidential election. And, of course, has adopted uh, his now adopted team, the Georgia Bulldogs, struggle in a season that – you know, frankly, <laughs> absent those t- other two things, right. have have we have all like struggled with already. So, uh, I, I'm Will's. You know, before you get too fired up, mad, all this other stuff. Remember the words I said a few minutes ago that there are people legitimately hurting, and just because it, because those people disagree with you doesn't make them cannon fodder for your snarkiness or whatever. Because I think we think kind of what Will's saying. We need to rise above that, and that's that has been my point for. 15 months. It was my point the last elections, point of the election before that. And, you know, I might be the only grown up in the room. It's kind of a weird place for me to be. So let's just leave it at that. Well said. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. I think it's the right thing to do. Let's talk about some picks, Scott. Getting into some picks. We only got 62 this week. I know. Wow. You loaded up a bunch. So we're going to start on a Thursday night. Louisiana Lafayette, our next week opponent, who is three and five, is going to Georgia Southern. Who played valiantly against Ole Miss? Did you see that Chad Kelly's out for the season mm-hmm. with an ACL? He's done. He's done. That's that's he's it. done. That's unfortunate. Um, I hate it for him. Yeah, Georgia Southern played well, although their dumb, stupid onside kick call when they're up by eleven points in Oxford oh my by their rookie head coach it killed all the momentum. Yeah, Matt Breida had just gone look. For I, I get yards. I get what you're doing right, but yeah. still, he outsmarted himself. Outsmarted himself. Yeah. We've was, seen that. It was almost like that uh, Pittsburgh kicker trying to do his little uh, river dance. Yeah, onside and kick. tours like off. Yeah, or something. Uh, who do you got? Oh, Southern. Uh, yeah, ULL. ULL is a um, hot mess. Yeah, Southern's a hot mess too. But after after watching what they did last week, I think they win. Okay, uh, North Carolina at Duke. You know that's a that's an interesting game. I mean, North Carolina's a good football team. They are in the hunt for the division again. Um, and this is a as rivalry as it gets for football in other than you know I guess in North Carolina State, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Carolina. That game is at uh, at, at Davis Wade, right at yeah. Duke. Yeah. yeah, I bet I th- that'll be sold out. Yeah, I mean it's mm. only about fourteen thousand people. Um, no, it's more than that, but fifteen. But uh, I'll take I'll take North Carolina. I take North Carolina. They're seven and two. Yeah. Who's their loss? Uh, Clemson. I don't know. Okay, you can click on. I don't the, know. Oh, I, I, I couldn't can. tell you. Florida State, maybe Virginia Tech. Oh, okay. They, they got destroyed by them. Nobody cares. Georgia Tech versus Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Virginia also Tech's rolling over is them. Seven and two. So, what's, so here's the interesting thing. What is Georgia Tech's record? Five and four. What games do they have left before us? They have. They have Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech this week, and then they have Virginia, and, and then, then us. Georgia. God bless America. I don't. I can't imagine if we have to go into tech with one of us with being with bowl eligibility on the line or both with bowl eligibility on the line. That said, they're not getting bowl eligible this week. No, no. I got Virginia Tech as well. Baylor at Oklahoma. Baylor's six <laughs> and two. They had a tough loss last week. They're trying to do some protests with their black jerseys. I mean, get over Art Bryles for all it's it's I, weird. I, it's so weird. Isn't it? It's so weird. I mean, 
it's just the oh, I can't even oh ugh. Um, Oklahoma was like a fifteen point favorite in this game. Is that right? Do you remember that double digits? They are fourteen and a half. Yeah, I'm taking Oklahoma all day. Yeah, I'm gonna take Oklahoma as well. All right, Pittsburgh at Clemson. Clemson. <laughs> Clemson. I don't even need to talk about that. Move game. Along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our friend Jim's going to that game. Uh, you, I guess you don't know Jim. Jim, uh, Jim went with us to Ole Miss and comes to the tailgate almost religiously, but not this week. He's going to be at Pittsburgh Clemson. Okay. Mississippi State, big win versus AM last week. And they're rolling into uh, Tuscaloosa. Look, I get there's a lot Alabama's of. Alabama's a 30 point favorite. Oh, yeah. Alabama's going to win this game. But there are a lot of people that want to get rid of Dan Mullen in Starkville, which is crazy. It's purely based on him every. Every year, looking for something better, I can't argue with that. He just lost his AD, right? He just lost AD. So he, the window for him to leave on an up note is is really small right now. Unless they get dragged up and down the field this week, next week in the Egg Bowl, you got to leave this year, and I can't blame him for that. Yeah, because they get they close at Alabama, Arkansas, and then at Mississippi. Now that Mississippi that Mississippi game doesn't well, it's look egg as ball. I mean, Anything happens. Anything happens. Well, I've got Alabama. Yeah, Bama. Will Muschamp versus Florida, Florida. wins that game. <laughs> so South Carolina's five more. They're still in the running for the SEC East. <laughs> that that ends Saturday. Okay. I mean, it's going to be an ugly game. Do not watch this game. Do not let your children watch this game. Do not let old people watch this game. Do not let people hurting over the election watch this game. For God's sakes, don't let Cardinals fans watch Maybe this game. Maybe Will was actually in an alternate universe and was oh, watching, this, watching game this game already. Yeah. Oh, his. this is going to be an ugly, ugly football game where, I mean, three to two, the Auburn Mississippi State game might look high scored. I mean, this game could be this game could be four to two. It could be three safeties. I'm going to pick South Carolina. Wow, I am. I'm picking Florida, but I know wow. you are. Their wow. offense. I mean, and it doesn't say much about Georgia, but they looked completely overmatched, anemic, out of sorts, out of place. Jim McElwain looked like the buffoon that he looks like on that stupid ESPN commercial where he's trying on clothes for his wife. He needs to put some socks on. <laughs> Vanderbilt. Who has the hands down has the best defensive player in the country in Cunningham <laughs> after what right. he did yeah. against Auburn's uh, field goal last week and what he did against Georgia and all, all the tackles they go to Missouri I think Vanderbilt beats that oh I think they beat the crap out of them by three, thirteen frustration points. game plus they need it to stay to try to get bowl eligible yeah. or to yeah. get closer to yeah. bowl eligible Missouri is a hot mess they are Barry Odom might be a one and done Nah, they'll give him a couple of years all but right. they're well, a that's hot fine mess. I mean I'm they're fine a hot with mess that yeah because we play them every year it's crazy as that sounds a hot mess LSU who still hadn't scored in what five quarters in nineteen years goes to Arkansas who scored a lot last week and it's Burt against Ed O. I mean, wow, is that not a uh, this is a get right this is get right game for LSU. Look, anything can happen because Arkansas playing. Look, I, I love, I love, I love the, I love the guy. Trust me, I love the guy. I'm going to Vegas with him one day, and we're gonna we're gonna turn off Facebook. We're gonna <laughs> no phone stay at home. What stays in Vegas stays in Vegas. Happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because even tattoos. And uh, but I mean any any kind of craziness can happen. Yeah, it's Wolfpack. It's one man Wolfpack. And um, he, but I think LSU. I I just think Fournette goes off on them. I'm going to pick Arkansas. They're at home. They had a big win. They're six and three. Anyway, uh, Kentucky stinging loss at Tennessee. I just I don't know why I laugh at Tennessee. It's because like this was their year. They should be nine and one right now, and they should still have Jalen Hurd as their running back, and they should 
be carrying Butch Jones all around to the red face central of all coaches, but they, they are going to be carrying around apart. an effigy of Butch Jones after this game. I'm picking the Wildcats. You are. Tennessee's favored by 12 and a half. That's you know, I'm going to go too high. I'm, it's not that I'm it's not that I'm trying to copy what you're doing yeah. like looking on your off your homework, but Josh Dobbs has turned I'm, he is a I'm turnover se- I'm machine. I'm 70 I'm 77th in the league. I'm not the right guy to copy on. Dude, Josh Dobbs is a turnover machine. Now, I said in a previous podcast, Tennessee's players played hard for Butch Jones up to the Texas A&M game. Yeah. They lost that game, then Jalen Hurd quit. They look and then they got destroyed by Alabama, and then they just didn't show up against South Carolina. They had a, a, a just a layup last week against Tennessee Tech. See, Kentucky, Kentucky's good. All they can they can the Kentucky, just run that wild the cat. Kentucky to it, the Benny Kentucky Snow. to Atlanta dream was one more week. Yeah. Okay. Are these? They're not still alive. Yeah. I mean, they need a lot of help, but yeah, they're still alive. Okay. Uh, Ole Miss without Chad Kelly at Texas A and M. Take A and M and the points. Yeah, I mean, whatever the points are. If Chad Kelly was there, maybe. Ah, still. Yeah, take A and M the points. Okay, Tony. Um, Will picked against Georgia. Um, Georgia is a ten and a half point underdog to the eighth ranked Auburn Tigers, who are seven and two, but very well could or should be six and three, and that's not that impressive. Auburn comes into Sanford. They have not won in Sanford Stadium since two thousand five. They've gotten their doors blown off quite a few times in Sanford. Uh, George beat them last year on the Plains in an ugly game, uh, but neither team was uh, really playing well in that game. Anyway, what do you think happens? Look, what I think happens is that in order for us to win this game, the path for us to win this game runs through Jacob Eason. I think we have to pretty early decide how we're going to handle Carl Lawson Montrevious Adams. I think we're going to have to decide how we neutralize them by using quick passes. Uh, the one thing that Auburn is a uh, is a bit dicey on is you can throw quick passes on them, which is actually what Texas A&M did to them. Um, and then they, you know, they ran off tackle a lot. They they did some misdirection. We've seen Georgia with that in their playbook. Now, if we come out and we decide that we just want to smash about them just because that's who we want to be in three years, we're going to lose this football game. And, and 14 doesn't sound at all out of the realm of possibility or more. Um, what I think is going to happen is that we are going to um, – I think we're going to have to come out and kind of play in the Eastern strengths, lay them line up beside, behind the uh, – and shotgun and pistol formations a lot more, spread the ball out a little bit. And then take our chances. I mean, he's going to get hit. Lawson is a machine. I mean, he leads the conference in sacks. We're pretty close. The conference leading sacks. Uh, he's just going to get to him. And our offensive line is is there's there's no way for offensive line, despite how they've looked the past couple of weeks, to protect him from getting hit. Having said all that, I think it's going to be a barn burner of a game. I think we're going to be in it till late. I think we lose because I think Auburn's a better football team. I think they're a much better football team. Although I think we are improving. Um, I just I I think the path to victory is just a little too narrow for us to get to to the point where we where I can say I feel comfortable saying we're going to win this football game. So you think Auburn covers the ten and a half? Is it going to be? No, I, I don't think so. I, I I could be very wrong about that. I mean, Will could be right. It could be twenty two points. I mean, this has the potential to be a twenty two point ball game. It could be just a straight up Ole Miss blowout. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a closer game than that. A touchdown, be within a touchdown, right. uh, maybe even a little closer. The way I look at it, you know, this is an election week 
we've been going over stats and trends and everything when it comes to the Democrats and the Republicans and trying to predict the election with the exit polls and the polling data. And that's all you've pretty much heard. You've probably tuned it out like I did. But if you look at the trends for the Georgia-Auburn rivalry out of the past five years, Georgia has won four of them. If you add in the past six years, Auburn's won two. One, they've been in Auburn, Alabama. And that's one, like me, my first point. Auburn won in 2010 with Cam Newton, 49-31. That was a furious comeback by uh, Aaron Murray in that game. And that was also the Nick Fairley uh, cheap shot. Um, And then Auburn won again in 2013 with the prayer at Jordan Hare when they had Nick Marshall. They don't have anybody like Cam Newton or Nick Marshall. A quarterback, we are not playing in Auburn, and they are not vying for a national championship despite what Auburn pundits would say (laughs) or the Columbus Ledger Inquirer, which is a state-run newspaper in the state of Georgia but leans towards Auburn and is not worth reading. Do you have some opinions about that? So, my wife's from Columbus. Yes. um, I do. So, anyway... Georgia wins this game. It's going to be close. It's going to be exciting. CBS is going to be rubbing their hands together because they're like, Georgia always gives us a pretty good game when it comes to Georgia-Auburn. That's why we always televise it. Georgia wins a close one, 31-21. You know, the, and, and the, you bring up a good point. Look, absent some craziness, this is the last time we're going to have Uncle Vern in the house. We did a little tribute to him Um I think spelling out yes, sir, uh, in the uh, the Tennessee game, but it can't be overstated how important the crowds can be in this game. Oh yeah, and we got and we got and that's the other thing we didn't get the noon kickoff where people might be sleeping. We, we got the three thirty kickoff. Fired up. We've got three thirty kickoff. Don't sell your tickets to Auburn fans, guys. Come on, be better than that. Show up and put in the stadium. I will happily eat crow next week. Happily eat crow next week because if we beat Auburn. Uh, in my mind, we will have turned the corner some. Right, think nine is on the table if we beat Auburn. Oh, I think so. Yeah, but if we beat Auburn, uh, it will have mean that we have shown significant improvement as a coaching staff and as a football team, um, and that's that points to good things for next year. Exactly. So, all right. Well, that I think that will wrap it up for Scott and I. We appreciate Will sending in his. Um, his view from uh, wherever he is, uh, I think he's on the I think he's on the set of um, the the Handmaid's Tale, and um, you know. But uh, we do appreciate all of you listening, and Scott. We got a uh, comment this week, right? Yeah, I've mentioned in the past in the closing um, monologue or epilogue that I do on these episodes that we really appreciate your iTunes reviews. We appreciate the ratings. We appreciate your subscription. It helps more than you know. We don't really even know, but that's kind of what we're told by Will, who has like five or six podcasts. <laughs> hey, he has more podcasts than. So we God. got a review this week from Shadog007. Awesome. I respect that name. He says, he gives it five stars. He says, love the show. Been listening since week one this year. And the show is perfect and more enjoyable than Dog Nation. Okay. I'll be at the ULL game, Louisiana Lafayette. I'll be at the ULL game and hope to run into you guys. Awesome. Shay Dog, if you're listening, you're welcome to come out of the tailgate anytime. So uh, speaking of, uh, another loyal listener, Will Robinson from Seattle is going to be in town this week. Hope to see him at the tailgate this awesome. week. So he actually uh, he graciously helped me out with some tickets this year. Uh, and the get back was he got to come eat some yeah. of my delicious pork goodness. Whose uh, tickets do you have this week? Um, not. I, I'm going to use uh, Will's dad's tickets. So not Will Leach, Will Robinson. So, okay. Yeah. So, but uh, 
Well, I think that'll do it for us. You know, we got. Uh, it's important you show up, Georgia Auburn this week. That's Scott over there. Will was with us in uh, in audio and in spirit. Definitely and spirit. Uh, this is Tony over here. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Snapchat occasionally. No, and not on Snapchat. Snapchat. Instagram. Uh, you, you follow Scott on Snapchat. Yeah, you can follow me on Snapchat. You follow us on Instagram. So, uh, so show up early, show up often, and go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you to everyone who leaves us feedback, whether it's on the iTunes review page or through a tweet. If you'd like to tweet our show, we try to be as interactive as possible, so you can do so by hitting us up at WSLS Podcast. And I realized that I said I would give bowl projections, and I forgot to bring them up as Tony and I were talking, so I'll hand those out to you right now real quick. As it stands right now, USA Today predicts Georgia to face off against Baylor in the Texas Bowl. Don't know where that is in Texas, but... It's somewhere in Texas. Fox Sports is projecting UGA versus Houston in the Birmingham Bowl. ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh says the Music City Bowl versus Iowa, which is one of those teams UGA has never played against. His colleague, Brett McMurphy, also predicts Baylor, but thinks it will happen in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. But perhaps the most intriguing projected matchup comes from Sports Illustrated. They think it'll be Georgia versus Texas over in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. Now that would be a fun one to see. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and wherever you stand in the election results, just remember, we are all Americans, we are all Georgia fans, and we can all agree that Auburn would never get our vote. On that note, have a great weekend, go dogs, and we will see you on campus.